Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. So today is actually part two of this kind of series in the Psalms that I'm looking at. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at this message, Search My Heart, O God. Today is Purify My Heart, O God. And I want to go through some Psalms and talk about that, you know, still anchored in the New Covenant. But there's a mindset in this email that I think is interesting. And I read this not to... You know, so by the way, welcome to our online crew. There's more and more people coming in. And if this is you, because this is not someone in this church, if this is you, I don't know this person, but if you're watching, please don't take this uh, personally, even though I'm reading your email. Uh, I, I'm not trying to make fun of this person. I'm trying to expose a mindset. And the mindset is, well, I'll just not sugarcoat it. It's basically self-righteousness. And it's not self-righteousness from an overt, bless God, look at me kind of a thing. It's I'm kind of underneath the weight of God. The world is kind of challenging and difficult, and it's not really going for me well, even though I've done this and I've done this, and it's like I just don't understand. God, I just don't understand. I don't understand is a very common statement of the self-righteous. Now, I'm not trying to say any time you say that you are, you know what I'm saying, but it's like, I've done this. I don't know why you're not doing your part. You ever felt that way? The old self-righteous thing. You know <laughs> so let me read this. And again, I am, th- this is not, like if I were sitting with this person in front of them, I would say the same things. And it's not from the perspective of you're wrong, here's how to think about it, it's Let me help you understand how you're seeing God. Let me help you understand where you are in your heart toward your own efforts, what you think God's part is. Be honest with yourself here, and let's work through this together. This is the approach that I would take with this person. Because in this series, what we're talking about is being honest with yourself. You know, search my heart, oh God. You know, we we play so many games. The church is notorious for game playing, for one thing. You know, we do all this stuff that's emotionalism, and we call it spirit, and it doesn't really actually do anything in your life. You go up and down, up and down, up and down. But yet, if you really were honest with yourself, you look and your life is just about the same as it was 20 years ago. So we want to experience transformation. We want to be honest. We want to be real with ourselves. And I'm not talking about get real, church. You know, I mean, it's like that's a common phrase, you know what I mean? But it's like I I want to see fruit. I want to grow up. I want to have maturity in my life. I don't want to be, you know, fig- trying to figure out, God, what are you saying? What are you doing? And looking at trying to discern the direction of the clouds and where the birds are flying to try to figure out what God's doing in my life. I want to be able to know who I am in Him, know His Word within me, and walk a path that is clear, right? Not thrown about by all these strange doctrines and just immaturity. So anyway, let's read this. So. Um, it says, full transparency, 
I, so, I, so I get a lot of traffic to my website because of this book that I wrote, this blog that I wrote. It's uh, God Says Yes to Over 3,000 Promises, and it just, I, it just caught on, and it, a lot of traffic comes through that. So that's probably what they saw. They did a search on God's promises and ended up on my website, and this is the email. Full transparency, I did not buy your book because I am tired of the disappointment from the Christian marketing of answers slash results. Having been persecuted by other believers because of my clean lifestyle, I am truly at a loss as to why I have not experienced God's blissful provision. After so many years of giving in trust of what the Word said, I stopped giving into myriads of ministries, local and on the TV. And this is bold underlined. If you truly have the answer, please send me that chapter via email. I vow before the Lord I will buy two of that book for friends. P.S. Uh, from limited means, I donate monthly to an online ministry because I am being spiritually fed through it and growing in spiritual understanding, seeking how to seek Him. I don't know if, you he if you're hearing it the way that I'm hearing it, but the self-righteous element is I have given... I have been persecuted, I live clean, but I'm not experiencing the blessings of God. Do you hear that? Now, this person is not writing to me out of frustration, I mean, out of like anger. They're, they're not writing to me out of, I'm better than everybody else, so therefore God owes me, although you might could hear it that way. This person is emailing a stranger out of frustration because they want to experience God. Don't we all want to experience God? I mean, that's like, that is the thing, to know God. You know, that is eternal life, to know Him. But the religious structure that we have force-fed to the world leaves that type of product, that type of mindset. God, you're out there, and if I do enough to please you and make you happy, You'll be good to me and give me a blessing. That is backwards. Say backwards. That is performance-centered toxic religion is what it is. This person, and they probably don't know any better. Honestly, they've been taught their whole religious life. They're, he's like, look, he's like, I'm tired of y'all Christians. I'm, I'm desperate. I'm frustrated, so I'm going to go ahead and email one more time. I see on your website you got this free thing. Go ahead and send it to me. You know, if you've got the answers, I'll give it a shot. That's what I hear. Somebody that's this close from just like sliding right out the back door probably would always still be a believer but confused about the nature of God and how God works in our lives. See, the issue is you must start with the finished work of Christ. You must start with a truth. This person is starting with, I have a lack. God is over there. I have lack in my life. If I do something to approach God, then he will enter into my life and meet that need from which I have a lack. When the reality is, he lives inside of us. Now, this person's a believer. I don't question their salvation. They may have a little bit of doubt as to who God is, but don't we all on some levels? You know, so I want this person to learn a few things. I want them to first and foremost know God absolutely adores you. God is a good father. 
So I'm going to just kind of give you a few things out of Scripture. Jesus said he's the type of father that if you come to him and ask him for bread, he's not going to give you a stone. He's the kind of father where Jesus fed 5,000 men and multiply that four or five times for the women and children because he didn't want them to walk away and get sick and weak. Like that's the reason he fed them there. Are you familiar with that story? He feeds the fire. He'd been preaching all day long, and he turns to his disciples, and he's like, all right, now feed them. I've, I've preached. I've fed them spiritually. Now feed them. They've been here all day long listening. And they're like, it's going to take us a, several months to be able to work up enough money to feed these people. And he said, well, I don't want them to go away from here hungry because they might get weak and be sick. Like, that's the concern. That's God's heart toward you. He has given you given you everything that pertains unto life and godliness. He has made you great and precious promises so that you would be a partaker of His divine nature. He has delivered you from the power of darkness and translated you into His kingdom. He is within you everything that you need. Now, there is this issue of everything that has been deposited within us is in spirit form to grow out of us, but it doesn't grow out of you because you've given the right kind of amount of money to the right ministry. The blessings of God do not come into your life because you have lived clean and therefore He will reward you with a blessing because you have kept the law. That is self-righteousness. You do not deserve one thing from God at all. There's not one thing that you could ever do to earn anything from God at all, ever. Not one thing. Not one time ever do you receive a blessing from God, and it's based on your merit, ever. Not one time ever does God bless you financially because of something that you did, ever. Say ever. ever. Let's relate it to salvation. Do you contribute anything at all to your salvation? No. What do you do? You say, I need to be saved. I think I'll take some of Jesus, right? The, the, the one and only thing that you might get credit for is you changed your mind away from your death to turn toward him to receive his life. You made a decision. Might be about the only thing you can get credit for. You used your faith to place it in him to receive from then on everything that He has for you. Now, but here's the thing. Once you do that, you are a child of God. You have received an inheritance from God. That's what the new covenant is. It's a last will and testament from God through the testator of Christ, through Christ who is our surety for this inheritance. And in our inheritance that we receive in Jesus is everything. Financial provision, healing, wisdom, sanctification, redemption. Everything that God would ever give you is by inheritance through Christ. Amen? Amen. So when you say, I don't have something that I got from Jesus as inheritance because I've done this and I've done this and I've done this, but yet it's still not in my life, you are anchoring your provision from God in your efforts, in your works. I mean, I'm, I'm saying it as plainly and clearly as I can, as simply as I can so that we realize 
we never deserve anything from God. Which also means you never disqualify yourself from receiving from God based on your behavior. It's never merit to be punished or rewarded now that you're in Christ. Why? Because Jesus is your reward and Jesus was your propitiation. In other words, the punishment for your sin. Now, does that mean you should continue in sin? No. Thank you. You know, Romans 6 applies because when, if you preach the gospel properly, some religious doofus is going to say, well, that kind of sounds like you're saying it's all right if you sin. I mean, come on. Right, that's the doofus theology. Just so you know. You familiar with that? Yeah. It's deeply theological. But, but I wanted to read that, not as a rebuke to this person, but because that's why we exist. That's why this thing called forward exists. You know, it's a, it's a section within the body of Christ called for a specific thing, and we are called to set toxic religious people free from toxic religion based in the finished work of Christ and the love of God. Amen? We get to do that. There are people watching all over the place, people that come in here. I mean, I hear it all the time. People are like, why, didn't, why, why wasn't I taught this in church? And it's not because we got it all figured out, but we know what our call is at this place, and we're anchored in that, and we're going to do that. Amen? Uh, so I, my heart breaks for this person. Honestly, it really does because can you imagine living in such a way where you're trying to figure out what it is that's missing from your performance to finally get that blessing from God? You ever been there? Honestly, raise your hand if you've ever been there. Yeah. That, that's why people are leaving the church in droves because we've associated God's blessing in our life with performance. We would never, ever advocate licentious living or lawless living or any of that kind of stuff. But we're couching everything that we experience from God in the finished work of Jesus. Now, once you really get that, the fruit of that is you want to live in such a way that is honoring to God. That, that if you could earn blessing from Him, you'd want to live that way just as an honor and respect to what He's done for you. You want to live worthy of this salvation that He's given you. Amen? And this is what I want to talk about today, just to kind of wrap up. I guess it's, it's next week is Mother's Day. Praise God for mothers, all the mothers in the house. We honor you ahead of time even. But this week is, like I said, kind of part two of Search My Heart, O oh God. See, I want to spend most of my time up here while we're doing this thing we call church on Sundays, sowing into you and your mind who you are in Him so that when you get out there and you live your life and it either works for you, you don't take credit for it, or when it's not working for you, you don't start to try to figure out how to get yourself cleaned up better to make God happier to do things in your life. You know what I mean? I want you in a situation where you are in front of the Father as if you are in front of your best friend that you know accepts you no matter what. I, I want you to be so comfortable being in the presence of God that you don't, even, you don't even think, you wouldn't even entertain that he ever has a bad thought about you. Like, like even in the midst of your darkest periods, that you, when you're then aware of him, you don't cringe wondering if he's disappointed within you. He doesn't love the behavior, obviously. 
Sin kills. Stop it. But he will never stop loving you. And your salvation is based on Christ alone. Amen? So, but now that you know that, we do need to live those clean lifestyles. Why? Because we keep our heart pure before him. Why? Because his heart is where he pours his grace and his grace is what we need. His spirit alive within us, empowering us and strengthening us. His spirit that is made unto us wisdom, sanctification, and redemption. All of the fruits in the spirit. You want to walk in the power of God in the ministry, in the ministry that God has for you? You want to find out what that call of God is on your life? It's interesting because the pathway to get your heart to a place where you're sensitive to Him to be led in that way is upright and clean living. But not to earn it, it's to keep your heart clear before Him so that you will allow yourself to be led out of your new nature. Did you follow me on that? You live well and keep yourself out of that darkness and that sin, those sin habits, not to earn it, but to keep yourself from limiting what God can and wants to do through you. You know, we see over and over and over the condition of our hearts and not whether we're good or bad, but how receptive we are to His Word determines what we will experience. from. I, I see it this way. The Spirit of God is in us. Like, like imagine a fire hydrant that's fully open, just, just completely open, right? You ever seen one of those? How many of you seen a fire hydrant that's just completely open? You know, like you wouldn't stand in front of one of those right up next to it because it just, the force would knock you back, you know? God is in you like that to fully come out of you and it never decreases in power or capacity. The only limiting factor is your heart that will constrict how much of it you let flow into your life. Your heart is like a valve that will close off the Spirit of God or be receptive to the Spirit of God. God is not looking at you going, I'm going to give you a little bit of my Spirit today, more tomorrow, and in about 17 years from now, all of it, maybe. That's not, he's like, let me just give you everything. I'm just going to give you everything that I have in full. You are complete in Him. In Christ dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Christ is in you, and you are complete in Him. God has made you great and precious promises. He's given you everything that pertains unto life and godliness. He is not withholding anything at all from you. He's given you Himself. He doesn't have anything else to give. He died for you to leave you an inheritance, and He gave you everything that He has. Are you with me? Like when you couch it in the idea of inheritance, you realize... What else is there to receive from Him? Nothing. But the condition of your heart or the receptivity of your heart toward Him will determine the degree to which you allow that which He's given you to manifest into your life. That is the mystery of the kingdom. That is the Mark 4 principle. That is what Jesus said, if you don't understand this, you're not going to understand anything else that I teach. So when I hear somebody talk about God through their persecution because of their clean living or the money that they've given. I, I just want to, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you've been in church your entire life and that's how you think God relates to you. I'm really sorry about that. I'm, I'm really, really sorry that that's where it is with you. But we have good news for you. 
you can rest in the finished work of Christ. You can rest in Him. You can cease from your own works and rest in Him. And what's interesting is on the backside of that, you experience such a freedom where you then begin to actually crave and love righteousness. You felt you lacked it before, but now that you know you've been given it, you just love to sit within it and let it flow out of you. And it's such a joy because you know that it's a work of grace, His power flowing through you. And you can live within that. His Spirit is real. That's the paradox. That's what, that's what a lot of Christians don't get. And here's the thing. Here, here's the most difficult part of this as a communicator of the gospel. No one can teach you that, that razor-sharp, fine line between spirit being strength and empowerment for you, or as this person says, answers. You know, so my response to this person is, first off, I'm not just going to send them the chapter. I'm going to give them the whole book. And I probably will ask them for their address, and I'll mail them the physical book just instead of just the digital version. And I'm going to tell them, look, you self-righteous thing. <laughs> Maybe. I'll, I'll pray. You know, I'll, I'll pray. I'll pray and see. <laughs> I'm going to push pause. Congratulations to Lee back there, graduated with his biology degree. <laughs> Woo! And then you guys had birthdays. Chris and Kelly, y'all's birthdays are like a week away. Yay. Any other April birthdays? Who's got an April birthday? Yeah. My Sydney. April 23rd. Mike, Ethan. Yeah, so. I, was, I kept looking at you, and in my mind, I'm like, I can't stop in the middle of this right now, but I want to. <laughs> so, all right. So, paradoxically, whether you ever give another cent to a church or ministry, whether you ever go to church again, whether you ever serve God again, he doesn't change his mind about you. And the finished work of Jesus applies to you. Amen? So, rest in that. And we're not just talking about salvation. We're talking about the power of righteousness, which compels you now in your life now. But... I have seen some people that get so free that they then perceive sin as freedom. Are you with me? It's like, man, I've been in church my whole life, and I finally found out that God loves me no matter what, and I don't have to do all that stuff. I think I'm going to go get high. I used to like doing that. Let's try that again. I mean, there's a lot of people smoking weed again. It's crazy. People, I've just somebody else told me recently, somebody that they knew was trying to give them some gummies which are like candy, pot. There's, there's a lot of ways to get high these days, apparently. <laughs> I was talking to this guy I know that's a pothead, and he was telling me this. There's, I'm not going to name all the names. But, and also, all right, let's stay on topic. <laughs> well, just, let's just say because it's legal out west, it makes its way here through channels that you'd be surprised. Anyway. Yeah, no, it's true. Um, so, and, and see, this is what we get accused of, is preaching this stuff promotes sin. It's like, no, if you're stupid, it does. <laughs> if you listen to me preach and you're stupid, you will go sin. 
Wait, 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 wait. That, that is exactly like being a doofus. Who said that? <laughs> Welcome back. Thank you. I mean, I could preach it theologically if you want me to, but I mean, honestly, it is, it's dumb to think that. And I personally believe the more you understand who you are in Christ and the more you depend on the Holy Spirit in you and the more you depend on God's grace rather than your own efforts, grace is not mercy, grace is empowerment. The more you depend on God's grace, it will teach you to live holy and you will live more holy and clean than you ever tried to before you understood the finished work of Christ. Are you with me? Now, I'm not trying to beat people up for specific sins. In fact, it's a decision that I felt like God put in my heart to not constantly call out individual specific sins, national sins that we all know are sin, but we pretend like they're not or sliding scale or the church feels like we need to point out all the gays and tell them they're in sin. Well, how's that working out for you? It doesn't work very well, you know? When we bring people into the knowledge of God and show them the love of God and help them understand how much their Father loves them, that then opens the door for the Holy Spirit to do the work that you think your finger is going to do. I mean, seriously, it's like we point at people, your sin, your sin, as if that's going to change them. I drank some coffee this morning, by the way, <laughs> which I hadn't drank hardly in, any two, in two months. I thought I was going to pass out for a minute. Good Lord, that coffee that uh, Adam makes is insane, high octane. You're welcome. I have to water it down next time. So how this relates to the message is... I, 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 want, I personally want to live the cleanest, sin-free, holiest life I possibly can. I'm not looking for reasons to, to use this freedom that I have to get away with stuff that's edgy. You know what I mean? I don't want to struggle with the same temptations that I did 20, 25, 15 years ago. But yet a lot of Christians do. A lot of Christians are still struggling with the same sin they had when they got born again. Shame on the church for not teaching people how to trust God to experience transformation. And you do that by anchoring them in who they are in Christ, setting them free, but then also saying, you need to depend on the spirit of the living God. And it's not just an idea. It's a reality. If you want to get healthy... Stop eating cupcakes. Uh, are you with me? If you want to grow up and quit the sin, feed on the Word of God. Yeah. So I, I want to charge us with bear your heart before the Lord. Be honest with Him. Be, be open and upfront with Him because He already sees that which you think that you're hiding. And see, unfortunately, some people will take this message and say, well, I just don't feel guilty about my sin anymore. Well, that's dumb too. 
Some people will continue in sin for so long that it sears their heart toward God and they no longer can receive that correction from Him in that, in that era, area. God absolutely will still come to you as a believer, blood-washed, righteous, perfect child of God, and rebuke you for your sin. But, he does, but it doesn't come with a punishment, and it doesn't come with a withdrawal of His anointing or blessing in your life like it used to under the Old Covenant. What it comes with is, hey, look, remember, I love you. Remember, I paid for that. Romans 8 says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead has given life to our physical body. And in that same area, it says that the spirit of God is bearing witness with your spirit that you are his child. That is what the spirit of God is doing in you right now is telling you, hey, I realize that you're having a problem right now. I realize that you want that more than you want me, but I want to remind you, you're my child. I am your father and I'm here to help you. How many of you have kids and you, they're making really bad mistakes and you go to them and they just can't receive the help? You just seem really... Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh at that. He was admitting, he was like, I need help here and I'm laughing at him. Sorry. Man. I'm laughing because I have my own kids and I've been there, but my kids are awesome as all our kids are too. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so right now in this moment, even in the face of you struggling with your sin that has come back into your life that you thought you kicked, God is saying to you, you're my child. I have things for you that will help you. And in fact, I've already put it into your heart. If you would just turn your heart toward me, which might mean you got to cut it out over here. You, you got you to get that out of your life. You might think it's freedom because you don't feel guilty about it anymore, but it's hardening your heart toward me. And you might even feel that grip right now. Ooh. Let that serve to draw you closer to him, not feel guilty because he already paid for your guilt. When God rebukes a believer or chastises, it's not condemnation. Condemnation is, you're guilty, here's the punishment. I'm condemning you. A rebuke or chastisement for a child of God is, come to me. Listen, I don't like that behavior. It's dishonoring of what I've done for you. But stick with me. Come on. You're my child, you old doofus. I know you're making bad decisions right now, but just come on. Stick with me. Be honest. Open your heart toward me. Let me help you. You know, it's like, it's like getting into a wound and cleaning that thing out. It hurts. But it's... And, and God is not cleaning your wound unto pain externally through making your life difficult to teach you lessons. You can't find one shred of evidence of that post-cross. How God relates to humanity completely changed after the cross. So let's look at a couple of these ideas because I want to talk about this idea of God purifying our hearts, of us living an open heart lifestyle toward God to let Him in. 
and, and challenge us, you know, to let God deal with us, to let God do a transformative work in you in that area that you don't really want in your life. You know, one of, one of the things that I saw is that for this message is that during the, um, the and during 2020, we all know that anxiety, depression, alcoholism, domestic abuse, all of these difficult, all of these negative things increased. Weed smoking, I'm telling you, Mexico is loving it. That's where the weed comes from, you know. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, so much of what we don't like about ourselves got worse in 2020 because the pinch was on and what was inside of us came out. Some people, I, a lot of people that I know, 2020, the crunch came on 2020, and they improved. Fine. I was talking to a guy yesterday at Reese's Shotgun, which Reese had a personal best in a tournament yesterday. Go, Reese. <laughs> talking to a guy on one of the dads, and he's like, you know, we were just talking, and he's like, I'm, my business is great. I've got more money in my bank account than I've ever had. You know, there are those of us that it's like the pinch got on, and, and we just... And I'm not trying to say one is better than the other. It's just when, whatever was in your heart, you get more of. That's, what, that's also part of the mystery of the kingdom is whatever's in your heart, is you're going to get more of, good or bad. I want more of God coming out of me when I get squeezed. I, I don't want stuff within me that's hardening my heart toward him that he has to continually work with me over that keeps me stuck and not moving forward in the things that he wants to do. I personally feel like this church and our just ministry in general of what God is doing through the internet and the resources that we're putting out there, you know, I think we just barely even scratched the surface of how God is going to use this ministry, locally and non-locally. And it's fun to watch. And I don't want to limit that. I don't want to be a limiting factor in that. I want to live this lifestyle. So purify my heart, O oh God. And the word purify is also the word test. The moment you start talking about tests from God, man, that's where all the denominational flags come out. Well, this is what I believe. Well, this is what I believe. And because my wife experienced, if anybody deserves a miracle, it's my wife. That woman is a saint and she's still not healed. Don't tell me God wants everybody healed because if anybody deserves it, she does. Well, you old self-righteous thing. You seriously? You think your wife is not healed because God is withholding it from her, because if he gives it based on merit, she would deserve it. You ever, have you ever heard that? has nothing to do... I mean, you see people... All right, let me keep going here. So this is the kind of testing which brings about a purification of heart. You know, we've all heard this illustration, right? To test or purify gold, what do you do? You heat it up. The impurities rise to the top. You scrape off the impurities. You are in that process with God. God has made you perfect in spirit. He's given you a new heart. That new heart is somewhat spirit, somewhat soulish. The soulish side of it can still be deceived and crave evil. It's not wicked by nature any longer. It's a, God, it's a heart after God's own heart. But it can still choose sin if, it want, if you expose it and your heart believes things about yourself that will gravitate toward that way. So your heart still is in this 
cleansing process, not to become righteous, but to not limit the righteousness that God has given you. Are you with me? So a purification of heart process for the believer is just getting out that doubt, that fear, that unbelief. Fasting is a great way to do that. You don't ever fast to try to become more powerful or powerful or qualified. You fast to get doubt out of your heart. So when we expose our heart to the Father and we say, test me, purify me, He doesn't say, okay, I'm going to take your dog away. I'm going to give your grandmother cancer. I'm going to close the door on that job. I'm going to, you know, make your foot hurt, whatever. You know what I mean? That's what we think. That's what Christian, toxic Christianity teaches people. God's out here playing puppet master with your life to make you a better Christian. The book of Doofus. There she goes. She's laughing. I was trying to get you to laugh on that one. Bailey. Bailey, you with me? All right. Jesus, John 6, and we have this if you want to follow along. John 6, when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Verse 6, he asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. This is the kind of testing that God does in your life now. He asks you questions. In the face of an opportunity to experience His abundant blessing in your life, God will ask you questions. God will use the Word and the Spirit to see where your heart is, to see, to try to open it. And and it's not if you give the right answer, then He gives you a cookie. He's trying to shift your thinking to depend on Him. See, if they had said, oh, I don't know, but you know, you're Jesus. I've seen you walk on water and heal people. So you might know how to do this. What do you think, Jesus? You know what I mean? They were like, I don't have that much money. Do you have that much money? It's going to take us a couple months to go work up this much money to feed all these people. Their response was carnal. Not evil, but physical, carnal. They looked to their own strength. Jesus asked them a question in the face of an opportunity to see a miracle through their own hands, and they turned to their own limitations. That's exactly what we do. The testing that God does in your life is an invitation into experiencing Him. The testing and the purification that God will do in your life may feel uncomfortable because it may be through the filter of a sin that you're holding on to, but it's an invitation into experiencing that which He's already given you not something that he has out here that he might do in your life. Are you with me? He already knew. I love that. He already knew. It's almost as if he already gave it to them, but were they ready yet to experience that? You see the limiting factor in this. Had they? I mean, honestly, what if they'd have said, I think you said you gave us power to do the things that you do. So maybe we can do something about that. You know what I mean? It's like when when you're facing an opportunity or a difficult situation and the promises of God seem impossible, in other words, you run your logic and you think, well, I know that God said that He is my provider and that He can make a way where there is no way, but I don't understand how this is going to work. 
That's carnal logic which leads to death. The death being you're not experiencing that which he's already given to you. But if you face a situation and you're thinking, I don't know how this is going to work, but God can make a way where there is no way. God is the creator of the universe. My God loves me. My God has given me everything that pertains into life and godliness. This situation might not work out how I want it to, but I'm not going to limit myself to this particular experience because God, I'm going to open my mind and my heart and I have no idea how this is going to work. But he's done the impossible before. Are you with me? Then spiritual thinking will entertain the promises of God as possibilities. Even when you don't understand. And, and, you know, so I think of this person that sent an email and it's like, their logic is they're trying to work spiritual truth through carnal means, through works and effort. And it's backwards. They think that's their qualification or their disqualification. So last week we looked at this, Psalm 139.23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. You got a new one. Say, I have a new heart. My heart is not wicked. My heart is not evil. Say this with me. My heart is not wicked. My heart is not evil. God gave me a new heart. Okay. There's plenty of scripture to back that up. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. So try me and know my anxious thoughts. Anybody ever dealt, don't, you don't have to raise your hand, but anybody ever dealt with anxiety? God can help you with that. Inwardly, he can help you with that. So then it says in uh, verse 24, and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me into the everlasting way. This is David after he'd hooked up with Bathsheba and committed murder by proxy. And the prophet comes to him and he lies to the prophet. He then prays in such a way where he just wants to be open and honest before God. This is not a prayer of someone who's afraid to be judged by God with punishment. This is some, uh, the prayer of someone who, who, who just wants to, be, to reflect who God is in the face of knowing that they have things in their life that they need to deal, need to deal with. Are you with me? This is somebody praying, acknowledging, yeah, if it's up to me, I'm going down. But it's not up to me. I don't have it all worked out, but I know where I stand with God, and I'm going to Him even in the face of this. It might be uncomfortable. I might feel the shame. I might feel guilty. But praise God, in the process, I get to assume the innocence of Christ to live within this power that he's about to work through me. But i got to be honest with him. i got to go to him and open up my heart and say, Lord, I, I still have it. I still have this thing. I can't believe I still have this thing. I can't believe all these years later, here we are again. You ever been there? But search my heart, O oh God. Find out if there's anything in there that's offensive towards you and, and help me. Because I don't want it. I don't want it any longer. Then you go to Lamentations 340. 
We then live this lifestyle. Let us examine our ways and test them, and let us return to the Lord. You know, you see this repentance mindset. If we would just all turn from our wicked ways and turn back to heaven, then God would hear, and then He would heal our land. Well, you bunch of self-righteous twits. You seriously think the reason God's going to heal our land is because you quit sinning by merit? Are you with me? I'm not saying that's in... That's wrong to pray that, but the heart of it that gets used now puts God out there withholding healing for our land because He's judging us because of our sin. Now, God is like trying to heal the land through us. And yes, of course, we should turn from our wicked ways, but not because we then earn it. We should turn from our wicked ways and realize, oh my goodness, I'm actually the solution that can bring healing to this land. You know, we don't need God to show up in this sovereign external revival and make these hot spots happen in the earth. We need the church, the individual, single believer, child of God, to rise up and live well within the righteousness that they've been given and be a personal revival in their own lives. And then a wave would sweep this nation and this earth like we'd never seen before if it comes from inside the believer out toward the world, not from some distant place cauldron out of heaven that got so full from the prayers of the saints that it finally tipped over and poured revival out. Do you understand that language? About 25%. Have you been in those church? You've been in those all-night prayer meetings? Like, maybe this is the prayer that's going to tip the bowl over and we're going to finally get some revival. Come on. Psalm 19. This is, where, this is where we want to get. Now, we preach that we are delivered. This is the language that Paul uses. We are delivered from the law. The law was our slave master. The law was our judge. The law was the one which rebuked us and condemned us. That is what the law does. Not one time have you ever been pulled over by the police and they gave you a sucker for keeping the law. A lollipop. A reward. Anybody ever been pulled over by the cops and they gave you $120 for driving under the speed limit? Anybody ever gotten pulled over for speeding and you had to pay $120? Yeah. That's what the law does. Wait, Sydney didn't raise her hand back there, did she? Oh, that was you. I was like, did you know about this? So under the new covenant, the, it's, the law is not a standard of living to become righteous. The law is the wisdom of God as precepts to teach us. The grace of God teaches you to live holy. One of the things the grace of God will do in your heart is give you the precept or the standard of God, but also the power to live it so that you will reflect it into your life. Are you with me? Under the old, the law was out here written in stone, and you had to look at it and say, inwardly, I am opposed to that. It is contrary to my nature, but I am going to obey God to keep that law as my temporary righteousness also with the blood of goats and bulls. Now, the law is in you. The wisdom of God is in you. 
That's the promise of the new covenant. I'll give you a new heart and my laws will be written in your mind and in your heart. And you will follow me naturally. You will not follow me out of obligation even though your nature is opposed to my law. You are in sync with me. You are a new creature that is in line with my wisdom and my righteousness. So God will raise up a standard, a precept in your life, in your heart, and bring up a law not to show you, to condemn you, but to show you because you're righteous, because you are my child, live this way so that you quit restricting my power from working in your life. That's what we're talking about when we read the Psalms now, which was different than how David wrote them. But David was incredibly prophetic. You know, David, I, David understood from the perspective of what this new heart would be like and wrote from that. Prayed, create in me a clean heart, O God. That's almost a prophetic declaration that we would have a clean heart one day. So, Psalm 19, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. So, we're talking about purify my heart, O oh God. I want to live in such a way that honors and glorifies you, Lord. I don't want this stuff within me anymore. I'm going to pray from this perspective for you to give me your wisdom and your strength. You've already given it to me. I want to be open to it. I don't want there to be anything in me that's offensive towards you. I don't want to limit what you're trying to do in my life. I want to love your law. I want to love the righteousness that you've given me. I want to be led and taught by you. I want you to hold me up to the world and be proud of me. Are you with me? The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold. Yes, that much more or that much pure gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. You know, I want you to be rebuked by God and feel like you're eating honey. Because you're like, yeah, I don't want that either. Man, it's so... I, I don't know. It's hard to put into words, but I don't know if you've ever been facing temptation that you don't want in your life, and then you turn toward God and you legit experience grace and power and that desire in that moment changes, and you no longer desire that thing, but you experience the righteousness of God in that moment, and you've preserved that holy place where His Spirit dwells within you, and then you walk away from it, not gritting, well, I didn't give in this time. It's like, no, you just, oh, man, your desire is just changed. Anybody ever experienced that? Yeah. If you haven't, I pray that you do. I pray that you expose yourself to the grace of God to the degree that in the moment, in the face of temptation, it just goes away. And you walk with this power that you didn't even know. You know that it's the Spirit of God in a moment like that. You know that it, you can't come up with that. You can't conjure up that kind of power, but that is what grace is. And it's available to you in every situation. Are you with me? I want us to stop limiting what the Spirit of God wants to do in our lives. And a lot of us are limited because of the fear and the guilt and the shame that we have in our lives because of the poor, the poor choices that we make that you can be free from. 
Let's get honest with him. Verse 11, moreover, your saint is warned by them. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Acquit me of my hidden faults. Also, keep your servant back from presumptuous sins. That, that's interesting. In other words, the things that you don't even know that you're about to be tempted. Help me, Lord. Go before me. Do you think he wants to do that in your life? Let them not rule over me. Then I will be innocent and I will be blameless of great wrongdoing. Say, I am innocent now because of the blood of Christ. If you have, if you have trouble saying those kinds of things, you're self-righteous. But it's paradoxical. You shouldn't say, I'm innocent, I'm blameless, I'm holy, and I'm righteous. <laughs> and then think that you had something to do with it. No, you're declaring the work of Christ in you. Not taking a shred of credit for it at all. But if you declare yourself as unrighteous as a child of God, you're self-righteous. Because you're associating your righteousness to your behavior. And how many times have you heard in the church, you're a sinner? Well, you might behave like a sinner. You might commit the acts of sin. But by nature, you are righteous. I, the, I preached a message down in Florida that we're going to put up on our podcast this week. And I went through a lot of the scriptures. You know, so, that's the nice thing about traveling sometimes is you get to kind of boil a lot of what you... It might take me six weeks to preach something here, but you boil it down into one concise message. Because I just like to unpack when I'm here, you know. So we'll put that up and send it out. So... I have Proverbs 3 in my notes, but I'm going to skip that. I'm going to give that to you for your homework. Go read Proverbs 3 and use it as a meditative prayer before the Lord to open your heart to Him. So let's close with uh, 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Now, <clears throat> this is back to 1 Corinthians 11, talking about communion, where it talks about examine yourselves, and we unfortunately associate that with sin. You can pull that down for just a minute, please, sir. And so communion has been turned into a whip in the church. In other words, here, flog yourself for a little while, beat yourself up over your guilt, you know, condemn yourself. That, that's unfortunately what communion has become in a lot of Christianity, a ritual of guilt. Are you with me? How many of you have... There's been a communion service happening in church... And you didn't take communion because how you lived the week before that, yeah. Communion is a celebration of the finished work of Christ. Communion is a remembrance of what He did. So when you examine yourself, it's through this lens right here. Let's go back to that, 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourself to see whether you are in faith. Test yourselves. Don't ever examine yourself to see whether you're in sin. Why? Why the focus on faith? Because anything that is not of faith is sin. So if you examine yourself to see if you're in faith, that's what you're looking for. You go, you go digging around in your heart looking for sin. Guess what you're going to find? And then guess what you're going to do? You're going to reinforce the behavior 
because condemnation works a lot like grace does. Grace empowers you. So does condemnation. Guilt and shame is a very powerful source. When you walk around with a sense of guilt and shame, you're telling your mind, this is who I am. I don't like it. I don't, it doesn't feel good, but I am the kind of person that deserves guilt and shame related to this behavior, and therefore you make the same choices over and over again. You talk to any drug addict that just hates their behavior, but they can't quit. Now, there might be a physical dependency. There might be trauma. There are layers of issues. But in general, they see themselves that way, and they keep making the same choice over and over and over. There's a bit of a victim issue going on there, but ultimately, we have the power. Any destructive behavior that we feel guilt over, we will repeat. You have to know that you're innocent in Him and let it go, but not just stop there, then receive the power and the grace to continue a different lifestyle. And then your heart's desire changes in the process. And then it gets easier and easier and easier, not because you get more progressively holy, but because you become more persuaded in who you are in Him. You become more persuaded of the truth, not more holy. Test yourself. Am I in faith here? So when these things that you're going to go to the Lord over and it's like, oh, I don't want, I'm, I'm ready to deal with this, Lord. You're looking inwardly and you're seeing, do I know how to be in faith towards you in this situation? Do I know how to depend on you for strength to face this? Do I know how to go to you, God, and be honest and receive the power and the help from you, which will change the desire of my heart and then overcome the situation? That's what you're looking for. You're looking for, am I even trusting God here? You might have some things in your life that you know are wrong, but you're okay with them being there. You don't want to change. It's like, man, it's not a big deal. I'm fine. I can do it. I'm fine with this. Not a big deal. It is a big deal because you're limiting the work of God. If, if you know that it shouldn't be there in your life and you're making provision for it, it's going to get worse. Or there may be other areas in your life that you're limiting him as well. Some, some, that's, that's, some of you that doesn't make sense, but some of you are like, I know, I know, I know, I need to deal with that. Are you with me? Father, we thank you. Don't get religious on me now just because we're closing our eyes and praying. <laughs> don't, don't, don't lose that moment that you were just in where it's like, no, I know, I know, I know. This is your moment of grace here. This is the moment of opportunity. I give you my heart, Father. I turn my heart toward you. In my weakness and with all my excuses, Search me, God. Help me test my own heart to see whether or not I'm in faith towards you. Show me the areas where I've accepted a sin identity, where I've accepted that it's okay to have this in my life for some reason. Well, you know, my wife does this, and therefore I need this, and it's not that big of a deal because this. Or I have this kind of pressure at work, so when I come home, you know, it's just a little bit of this. 
my kids are this and I don't really know what to do here, so this and this. And even attitudes and emotional states of mind. Father, we give it all to you. Search my heart. Show me the layers, God, that are anchored and that are fueling this stuff that's in my life that has just limited me for so long. Show me the layers of how to get down there and uproot that stuff, Father. I don't want it in my life anymore. I want to live a life pleasing to you. I want to live a life that is honoring and glorifying of the work that you've done through me. I want, I want my outer world to mirror the spiritual state of existence that you've given me, and that is perfect and holy before you. I want to live outwardly in such a way that brings honor and glory to you. I, I don't want this. Jesus. Yes, Lord, I trust you. Just tell him you trust him. Just invite him into those areas. You know, he doesn't magically fix it. This is, this, is the, this is the effort. This is the labor to enter into the rest. You know, you can't pray, God, just change me. He changed you in spirit, but you have to be willing to open up and be honest with yourself in your heart to let those areas also be changed. I, I give up all my excuses, Lord. You know, if you're just willing to make that decision today with eyes closed, just lift up your hand if you're willing. I'm just, I'm giving up my excuses today, Lord. Those things that it's a push and pull. Even right now, some of you inwardly, you're feeling this kind of tug. It's like, ooh, I know I need to let it go. I don't want to let it go. I need to let it go. I don't want to let it go. You feeling it? Honestly, feel that and let it go. Grace, let grace breathe on that. These are the inner kind of things that, you know, the, the, the process of belief is, it's, subjective so it's different for each person but it's also you can't really make sense of it but you feel this inner thing going on you might not feel anything but you know father yes i yield to you i trust you lord do a work in me that mirrors what you've done in my spirit and i, I will own it i embrace it i step into it i am willing i am willing to put forth effort in that area to receive i will step into the grace i will step into that margin I will step into that space to meet you and your spirit right there within my heart to let this go. Even if it's not a sin behavior, but it's insecurities. Man, insecurity drives a lot of our choices. I'm willing to let that insecurity go. I'm willing to let my pride go. I'm willing to let my confusion through religious toxic teaching go. Take you at your word, Lord. And those behaviors as well. I give it all to you. I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. Now, what will happen is grace will rise up. And when grace rises up, what it looks like is in your mind, even though it might seem like this 900-pound gorilla that you're facing, in your mind... There's going to be a pushback, but in your heart, that's like, no, I can, I can step into this. This is, some, this, is believe, this is becoming a little bit more believable. Step into it. In other words, own the identity that you are the person that can overcome that. Are you with me? Step into the identity that yes, 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 yes. No, 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 no. Yes, 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 yes. Does that make sense? Because I'm, I'm trying to describe what I think our heart does inwardly, this working of all this, you know, it's the mechanics of belief. 
It's hard to verbalize, but, but you feel that stuff inwardly. We, we very much live related to our feelings and our emotions, and your beliefs will produce those things. You'll, you'll, you can know what your heart believes when you make a decision to step into righteousness and your heart's like, mm. then you know what you believe about yourself in that moment. Overcome. Depend on Him. Amen.